I want to start by saying, again, it's just great to be back. Um, also, just want to say that Steps of Faith was a huge hit. Uh, we carried um, bags of shoes and even some clothing, both to the Balkans and uh, the Middle East, also to um, South Africa. Well, more specifically, I should say to Zambia, although there's a great need in South Africa, and we were reminded of that. But it was interesting because the only clothes we took, someone had brought in specifically several bags of really nice baby clothes. And I struggled with that. You know, all the clothes were going, I think, to Macedonia and Greece uh, or Serbia. Anyway, and um, but we decided, well, we'll take a whole extra full bag, which is a hassle. I am sometimes OCD about wanting to travel light. So I was really struggling a couple of days before we left. In fact, about a week before we left because we had all our shoes all sorted out, and that worked great, and they were lightweight. They were huge bags, but they knew they weren't going to be overweight. But these clothes, you know, they're a bit more bulky. And Karen and I started going through them in our garage, though, and every time she would pull up an outfit, I was like, oh, we got to take that. And... And then we got there, and unbeknownst to us, uh, the medical missionary, Luiana, they had just opened, they'd just finally gotten in their malnourishment clinic, which is tremendously undersupplied, but be that as it may, they've put two babies into their first orphan house, along with the other five kids, brand new babies, and they had no clothes. So it's just Jesus knows what he's doing. We toted those clothes and, and left them there. But anyway, thanks to Corley and all the people who... And just invested. I wanted to be sure and say thank you. Uh, I don't want to just give you a report on our missions trip this morning. We, we go so often. We do so much. But I do think it's a part of the word today just to share some of the things that God's been doing. Oh, and you'll see uh, Tiffany Jean up here. We discovered some things. I tell you, the, I will say that outside of the salvations, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But the most amazing thing for me was that this was a team of 19. And I... That's breaking a rule for me. I normally lead teams of 10 max. I draw the line at 10 because I end up handling too much of the logistics, and that becomes quite a burden. And we had 19, and we every team we've ever taken have been awesome and a blessing. But I'm telling you, the way that this team jailed and the unity in that crew and the way we became family was phenomenal. Honestly, it was one of the easiest teams I've ever led. It was like moving a aircraft carrier, <laughs> but... Uh, Tara drove for the first time on the wrong side of the car, on the wrong side of the road, and and I was the only one that had an accident. So, uh, not a bad one. I might have moved the bumper slightly. But um, anyway, it was phenomenal. And, and I could just take time and say something about everyone. I, I just feel like I have little sisters and little brothers that I didn't have before. And one of those is Tiffany. And so we had an opportunity when we were in Cape Town after our couple of weeks in Zambia, 12 days, um, to do some different things. We did a monstrous youth outreach, massive they called it, and um, some different things. And on Sunday night, we were at a church that I've spoken at several times. It's our primary partner church. And so we decided to do something out of the box for them and a little bit for us. And so Tiffany did a prophetic drawing while I was sharing word. And so hence the reason I said, girl, you're doing that on Sunday. And I'm really thankful because it, it just adds so much dimension. The idea is that it tells more of the story. And so Lord, also just pray for Tiffany today as she, uh, you take her hands and you do something beautiful with them. That will just add a dimension to your truth today. Um, but what I wanted to talk to you this morning about, and this is kind of cool for me too, because it's just been such an amazing thing for me in Dwelling Place to get to learn to walk. And again, pardon my, okay, I, you know, I might pick the tone up here somewhere, but most likely I'm going to move kind of slow today. Is that okay? <laughs> I'll change shoes during the program or something you know what i'm saying it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood i don't mean to be mr melancholy tone here but i trust that there'll be enough to keep you engaged because it's god's truth but one of the funnest things for me and what i miss when i'm gone from dwelling place honestly is team i've said that to you before but i'm loving working with this this leadership team and i love working with Catherine. she's a huge blessing and the dance team i know you only had six dancers this morning and the full the floor seems so full you did a phenomenal job with that and they always do so I had hit Catherine up earlier this week. They were communicating different things to me as we were leading into this Sunday and whatnot. And, but I'd hit Catherine up and I said, you know, I just wanted to know what, if you had a dance and what that dance was. Now, I didn't give her the full story, but as I was praying about what to share on this Sunday, I really felt like the Lord said, well, I think Catherine's already got that word. You, I mean, I already gave that word to Catherine, so just connect with her. But I didn't want to say, I didn't know, you know, I, don't, I wanted to give her a little room there. And so she said, no, we do have a dance, and it's going to be to a song that Haley's going to sing, which is, the more I seek you, the more I find you. 
And that's really all I want to talk about today. I really want to talk about that concept that the more we seek Him, the more we find Him. And what that looks like. And we experience that. We experience that when we're walking out our lives in this world. When we're walking with our wives and soon to be child. I almost said son. I don't know if I was trying to be prophetic. But uh, soon to be son. Okay, I'm getting a, head on, a nod on that. It was fitty fitty. I don't want to claim prophetic utterance there. I just, it was going to flow off of my tongue. But, um, you know, as we're walking in as parents of grown children and, or if we're still coming through school or we just graduated, whatever the case may be, in every environment, in every circumstance, it's just simplistically true that the more we seek Him, the more we find Him. Doug, you know that our trip through the Beatitudes a couple of years ago in Bible class, I've never gotten away from 6.3, which is Matthew, which simplistically says, um, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. And we talked about that a lot on our trip. And, and I believe that in the way that I live my life here, I, I thoroughly believe this, that blessed are those who recognize their need for God for everything in the kingdom is possible to them. That if we just understand where our help comes from, our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, that there's not anything that the, the devil can do or put in front of us that we can't overcome. There's not any obstacle that we can't uh, overcome or, or any challenge or trial that we can't walk through. It doesn't mean that those things are purposed by God, but it means that what we find is that when we find him, we find, right, we find our peace. We find his plan. Uh, we find ridiculous grace. I said in the genesis of the service this morning, and I know some of you came in slightly after that beginning, but that for me, even just today, uh, just the greatness of grace and the learning to walk in grace. The things that you see when you... I, I was thinking about Dr. Seuss this morning. I had Dr. Seuss on my brain. I, should have, I think I might have to learn to quote the book, Oh, the Places You'll Go, because I'd like to do that. But, but oh, the places you'll go and the things that you'll see. When you walk with a God, it makes you free. I don't think Dr. Seuss said it that way, but, but it's true that the kinds of things and the opportunities that uh, you'll have to see His face. And I want to just share this morning with you a word just simplistically titled, Seek, Find, and Follow. Seek, Find, and Follow. Uh, just before, oh, it's maybe been four weeks ago, actually. And FYI, just as a point of fact, we left six people in Africa, we left four kids in Zambia. Two will come home on the 13th of July, and a couple more will come home on the 19th of September. And uh, Jacob, who lives at my house and calls me dad, uh, is with Caleb Knauts, and they'll be there till a week from Thursday. So they're there a couple extra weeks than us. And that was a little hectic for me. We were in the airport in Joburg and getting ready to send the two of them back to Cape Town. And, you know, I take people's kids over the ocean all the time and, and not only take people's kids but encourage other people to take people's kids. So we'll have almost 100 students and 20-somethings in southern Africa this summer. And I was the point of contact for them. I don't deserve any credit. But nonetheless, my point in that is that I get a lot of calls from parents want to know where their kid's going and that kind of thing. And I encourage them, oh, it'll be fine. They'll, I mean, everywhere could be a bit dangerous. But then when Jacob was walking back through security, I was like, this ain't right. This is not right. <laughs> Caleb is like a son to me, too. So I was like, oh, I've prayed extra. I was like, Lord. But I was riding with Isaac, our 21-year-old, who also lives at our house and calls me dad. And God just did some really cool things in Isaac this year at Virginia Tech. He was leading a small group for freshmen, and that was really cool for him as a bit of a mentor. And what a, you know redemptive thing to see all of that happen in his life and one of the worship leaders on campus with Kai Alpha and that kind of thing and they were coming to the end of they were in exam week and so all the programs were shutting down and all the activity and he was saying man I'm so ready for a break I mean what a hectic year it's been whew you know he's he's really doing crazy stuff because he drives to class at Radford and participates in ministry at Virginia Tech because we live in Giles County so kind of an interesting triangle for him and he gets a lot of gas subsidy um, which is necessary. But, um, but he said, you know, in as much as it's been a really hectic year, uh, and I'm glad for the break from the busyness, I sure don't want to take a break from God, was basically what he said. He said, in fact, I'm more interested. I hope this summer I can get closer to God. You know, that I can see, basically, I was sharing this story in Africa, that basically I could see God and know God more. And I was sitting there as a 45-year-old dad, you know, my heart was swelling pretty good. I was just very thankful. I mean, my eyes were leaking a little bit. and I was trying to keep him from seeing that. And, you know, we're coming down Spruce Run Road. And 
And I was thinking, maybe this is the part where I'm supposed to say, you know, that's awesome, son. I remember when I felt that way. I remember when I was 21, and I was like, come on now. Just going to chase Jesus and make a difference and live my life for him. And I was thinking maybe that's what I was supposed to say. But then inside my heart, I knew that what I had to say was, you know, Isaac, I, I feel that way more today than I've ever felt in the whole rest of my life. I mean, I felt that way at 21. I was fortunate. Uh, I don't think I was where he is at 21, or I might be at a different place at 45, but it's not about comparison, but it is about progression. And I, uh, but I just was able to say to him, you know, at 45, I mean, I'm, I'm so excited about knowing God more than I've ever known God before. I'm finding that the more I seek him, the more I find him. And I'm learning these amazing and incredible and creative ways to seek Him. And, and I'm finding Him in, in ways and places that I never anticipated. And, and it's different than maybe I once thought it was. And Amos wrote this in Amos chapter 5 and verse 4. He said, this is what the Lord says to the house of Israel. Seek me and live. You know, Robbie Maddox, I like it when it's cut. You know what I'm saying? Like it's plain. It's simple. Seek me and live. And there's so much life to be lived when you seek God. I wonder if there's someone today that you just kind of grown weary of doing well, like doing good. You know, like you were, that was you at one time. You were that guy. You were that 21-year-old or 45-year-old, and you were thinking, man, I mean, it's so good to know God. And, and I'm knowing God in ways I haven't known God before. But maybe you went to one too many conferences or seminars. I mean, I don't know. Or, you know, maybe you just got used to not listening or caring what God was saying. Or maybe you had information overload and you forgot about relational... Uh, significance. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what happens. Maybe life happened. Maybe kids got into college and it was hard to make enough money without working extra hours. And somehow it didn't seem possible to pursue God and make ends meet. I don't know what can happen. But I know this, that that's not necessary. I know that in all things, there, there has to be a way that we can seek and we can find and we can follow God. Jeremiah said it this way in Jeremiah 29, 13. He said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Or Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, he said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek. Check this out though. And good luck with that. Seek and good luck with that. Anybody listening today? Yeah, I know I major in simplicity. But I do it real well. I do simple really well. <laughs> Seek and you will. You will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. We talk a lot. This has kind of become something that we say in our home. I've said this to Karen. Uh, I said earlier, I'd be remiss. I said it was 195 days till Christmas. It was five years and one day since I was hit by a truck just keeping up with numbers. I don't know why that won't be. I won't keep up with that one for long. It just happened to have been yesterday. But it's three days till I get to see Karen for the first time in five weeks. <laughs> Whew. Now that's significant. I ain't going to lie, man. That's way bigger than Christmas to me right now. <laughs> Holy smokes. I'm going to leave that right there. But, um, but a lot's when I'm talking to her. I'll talk to her. I'll say, hey, how you doing with your merry time? How's your merry time? Man, I love Martha. I said that the last time I was here. I mean, and Karen is in a lot of ways a Martha, and, and I think on a lot of levels I am too. And I used to adhere to some philosophies that were really flawed. I used to say out loud, if uh, you want to get something done, give it to someone who's doing something, <laughs> you know. Or most things worthwhile are done by people who are tired, overworked, or don't feel good. And though there's some truth to that, that's not a good statement. Uh, but the reality is I'm going to do a lot. Um, I'm thinking Jesus might come back. And I want to live a balanced life. I'm not going to sacrifice my family because that's not the heart of God for me. That's, that doesn't match the nature and character of my God. And I don't want to uh, not be faithful to the specific appointments that the Lord has given me. And I love rest. My favorite place to be is at home. So don't anyone mishear me right now. But I don't want to diminish Martha. That's, that's what I'm concerned we do sometimes. But I will say this, that we've got to have our merry time. In fact, we can't be Martha if we don't be merry. 
We talked about that on the trip. I mean, there were days in the bush, and man, you talk about taxing. I mean, kids got partway through that 11-hour bus ride, and they didn't say it then. I was real proud of them. But an 11-hour bus ride across sub-Saharan Africa, it's hectic. And I was getting in the ear of the bus driver several times. There was a, we were at the point where some ladies just, they had to have a, a girl uh, potty break. It didn't matter that there wasn't a potty. I mean, they were just like, no, I don't care. This bus has got to stop. So I'd ask the Zambian bus driver, I'd say, how long till we stop? Oh, just up there, which means nothing. It means nothing. Nothing at all. So eventually I leaned forward and I said, look, you can decide where we stop, but I'm going to decide when we stop, and that would be right now. It's just how I said it, too. And he went, oh. <laughs> and the girls, you know, eased off into the bush. <laughs> you do what you got to do. And it's hard and it's challenging, and, and there was a lot going on with that and so when we got in the bush and we were actually there and then they were seeing the value of it and none of them were complaining which was amazing they were saying this is so worth it this is so worth it but nonetheless i would ever we had enough of us that every day i would say okay you 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 and you you know uh well i don't think i did that every day i'm completely honest but i was challenging them and, and every day we left someone at camp and i would say and you make sure you get some good merry time and it's important for us that we get merry time and that's the point that i'm trying to make our merry time. Seek me and you will find me. And let me just, let me segue to a point here because I, I'm going to make a couple of points, but mostly I'm going to just chat about seeking God and finding God. But number one, that kind of the question then that comes along when you talk about seeking, because we've been hearing that. We hear things like this, seek the Lord or get with God. And we say phrases like that. And I'm not sure we always mean the same thing. You ever notice that in a cross-cultural situation that you say one thing, it means something else? That can get awkward real fast. And, but I think sometimes when we say, seek the Lord or get with God or have your merry time, I want to make sure we mean the same thing. So let's just think about that for a second. Maybe you'll even journal ahead of me right now if you're taking notes. But what do we mean when we say to seek? Or even to take that a bit further, what is seeking and what or who are we seeking? We talk about merry time. Or, or, or what, here's a question that I would ask you as it relates to seeking. seeking. What does seeking look like and who or what are we seeking? Let me ask you this question. What, what would it be like? This is rhetorical. What, but what would it be like if the God gap in every heart was filled by God? Man, how different would life be? I mean, even in our own lives, what would my life be like if only God filled the God gap? If that place that had God's specificity, that main place, right, that central place, the, the nucleus of this... Uh, Adam, if you will, the, the core of who we are. What if that place that was made for God was filled by God? When we talk about seeking God, the, the literally what the word means there is to seek His presence. It means that God is, is present in our, not even just in our circumstance or our situation, but that God is present with us or, or in us. In fact, the word presence in the Hebrew literally means face. We talked this morning about just let the service God be about seeking your face. So we say that sometimes. We use that phraseology. We'll talk about seeking His face. Lord, I'm just seeking your face this morning. But we're talking about, literally, what we're talking about is the presence of God. We're, we're talking about that place where we connect deeply with that. But then the, this would be a fair question. Aren't the children of God always in His presence? I mean, that's a good question. And, and the answer to that question has to be, at least in a couple of ways or a couple of senses, the answer to that question has to be yes. Number one, he's omnipresent, always near. Right? God's, we know that, that God's everywhere. I mean, I've often said, how can you get anywhere where God isn't when God is everywhere? And, and on one level, you certainly cannot. God is, he is present right now holding everything together. He's what makes this work. You know, the laws that govern nature, God governs those laws. He's the one who holds it together. So in that sense, we can never be away from God. But then in another sense also, we can never be away from His... I wrote it this way, His covenant closeness. The reality is, is that He's made a covenant with us. And He literally said to His children, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Uh, where can we go from your presence, O Lord? The psalmist wrote, um, we are never alone. He never leaves us. And Jesus Himself said in Matthew twenty-eight twenty, Behold, I am with you always. Right? Even when He sent the disciples out, He said, You go ahead, you go ahead. <laughs> I'm about to ascend and whatnot. But know this, that I'm with you always. We joke about it this way. It's the go ye and lo I. You'll use some KJV English. 
He said, go ye, but lo, I, right? So we got that promise that he's always with us in that sense too. Um, But in a third sense, the truth is he has to be sought. I want to borrow the words of John Piper in a blog that he wrote uh, from a series called Desiring God. And he said this. He said, um, there are seasons when we become neglectful of the Lord and give him no thought and do not put trust in him and find him unmanifested, that is, unperceived, as a great and beautiful and valuable by the eyes of our hearts. God's manifest consciousness, trust his presence, is not our constant experience, but it's something that has to be sought. Now I'm going to reread that because I know that that's hard to hear in that phraseology. He says, God's manifest consciousness, trusted presence, is not our constant experience, but it's something that must be Sought. There are seasons when we become neglectful of the Lord and give Him no thought. Think about that. And do not put trust in Him and find Him unmanifested. That is unperceived, though He's there. Unperceived. As great and beautiful and valuable by the eyes of our heart. His face, the brightness of His character, the brightness of his personal character is hidden behind the curtain of our carnal desires, the busyness of our lives. I'm adding here. This condition is always ready to overtake us. That is why we are told to seek his presence continually. God calls us to enjoy continual consciousness of his supreme greatness and beauty and worth. And I would add in our relationship to him as sons and daughters, we're meant to continually perceive that. That's not an awareness that we are ever meant to lose. But that's one we have to seek. It's in a relationship. Now, it's not, a, it's not a, a reward. It's not, okay, work harder. You know, try to get to me a little. Woo, you missed. Come on, come on, come on. It's not like that. But in a, in a sense that there's a relationship that requires two people to be active and engaged. Somebody say, I heard that. In a relationship that requires two people to be active and engaged. And when we disengage, we miss God. He hasn't gone anywhere. It's like that story, right, of the old man in the truck. He's driving down the road, right? They got a bench seat, an old Chevrolet, 1964 most likely. He's got a bench seat, and his wife is sitting over. Remember when we used to sit so close to each other? And he says, I haven't gone anywhere, right? <laughs> you finna have to scoot back over. And there's this choice, church, that we make and must make consistently and continually. God's already made his choice. He chose us. First Chronicles twenty two nineteen says says it this way. Now set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Set, set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Or Paul said it this way in Colossians chapter three, verses one and two. He said, If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things on earth. So we seek How do we seek? Who do we seek? Or or not how do we seek? I'll get to that in just a second. But what does seeking mean? It literally means to set our minds. To set our minds on God and the things of God. It doesn't matter what our environment is. I found this on some level most true. uh, Because I think the first great experience I had in learning to uh, trust in the greatness of grace. I had always stunk at that, to be completely honest with you. As a teenager, I stunk at it. Um... At, at 18, I went away to the university that was my dream university. I got accepted to the University of Arkansas. I was going to room with my best friend from high school. But I knew nothing about walking, actually walking in grace. I knew how to walk in the grace that was given in the context, right, of the life that I would previously lived. That is to say, as long as things were ordered the way that I perceived God had meant to order them for me, then I could live in that safe place, which for me meant family, it meant being at home with family. And I could do that. But if you asked me, Ron, in relationship to Jesus, to step out and trust grace where I had not been before, I was really stinky at that. The truth is that I, um, I quit school after five weeks. And I hadn't, I hadn't made anything but an A so far. I mean, it wasn't a grade thing. I was, I was doing well. I had already made lots of friends. But I, I just didn't know how to walk in grace. And, and because of that, I missed the manifest presence of God, the consciousness of God in my life. And I was miserable. I thought I was out of God's will. And in fact, I just wasn't choosing God's grace. I mean, I still read my Bible and some things like that. I had some holy habits that I knew how to work. But they didn't work for me. Because I, didn't, I wasn't setting my mind on, on God. 
This literally for us would mean this. Seeking would mean this. To not mentally coast. No mental coasting, uh, but rather a conscious choice to direct our hearts to God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. Um, Paul said it this way, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of grace in Christ Jesus. May the Lord direct your hearts to that. That's what it means. That's what it means to see God. It means, man, to set your consciousness on that so that whatever your situation or circumstance, as the Apostle Paul would write later to the uh, Philippians, you could learn to be content. You could, I mean, you know what? Paul was able to say, I could walk through the fire and not be burned to the flood and not be drowned. I, we were... You know, we were persecuted but not forsaken. We understood how to walk in the greatness of grace, seeking God in all things and in every circumstance and in every situation. And, and I feel like I need to give you a wake-up call. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? Seek. And, it's, and that's seeking, but seeking what? And really the seeking what is, is that we're seeking who? We're seeking Him. I mean, the truth, the truth and reality is sometimes we get in the wrong mode, right? Like we'll be seeking an affiliation. Oh, I'm a part of Dwelling Place. You know, that's my church. And we're really trying to fit in. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, we'd be trying to fit in and whatnot. Or we're seeking affirmation. We want someone to tell us we're doing well. Way to wear yellow, you know? And, and we want someone to come alongside and affirm us. And we're seeking that. We're looking for that. We're, just, we're looking for the church of affirmers, you know? Or we're looking for family, which is a good thing. Huge believer in community. We're meant and called to be a co-laboring community built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. All of that's true and important. But that's not what we seek. We seek him. Nowhere in the word are we told to seek those things. But if you... It, for, again, Deuteronomy 4.29, But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. It's him that we're looking for. He's the one we seek, right? It's a relationship with Jesus that puts us in relationship with Abba, with our Father, with our Papa. It's to be able to come to that place in the family of God. That's what we seek. Now, do those other things come along? Absolutely, and as well. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added unto you. Seek the king in his kingdom, right? And, and then you will understand what the psalmist meant when he said in Psalms 103, to seek the Lord at all times and to forget not all His benefits. I know it's simple. It's so true and critically important as we move into this summer. And we go so many different directions. Hmm? I mean, even today, there's just folks all over the place and that's fine. But seek the Lord and live. Jesus said it this way. He said, if you continue in my word, a little stay in power. You know what I'm saying? Pursuit. If you continue in my word, you're truly my disciples. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. We, we seek to know and be with and live from the heart of God. Jeremiah 24, verse 7. I will give them a heart to know me. I love this verse. I need this on my mirror. You can put this on the... Yeah, you should scribble that up there somewhere. Jeremiah 24. Well, you guys are doing good. This looks nice, too. That's beautiful. I think I want that one. I get dibs. Okay, we'll put it somewhere in the church. Jeremiah 24, 7. I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all, all their heart. Come on, church. Don't you want to be that guy? I can say, you know, I want to know God more now than ever. Wherever I am or whatever I'm doing. Let's don't blame this on a season. Well, I'm just going through this season where... Seasons change. God's love remains the same. Steadfast and forever. And number two... So number one was what? I mean, what are we talking about when we say seek the Lord or, or what? Or who are we seeking? And we're seeking Him. And, and when we talk about seeking... But, but let's just go real quickly to this then. But how? I mean, this is kind of a pragmatic teaching, okay? But how? How do you seek the Lord? What does that look like? I mean, how do you go about that? What does it mean to seek the Lord? Because there's a lot of different points of view about that too, right? 
There's a lot of different thoughts about what it means to seek the Lord and to find a place in His presence. And I remember when I was ordained as a young minister in the movement that I was working with at that time, and the guy gave a great speech about how if you didn't get up and pray at 5 a.m., I mean, he, he even had a scripture for it somewhere. I lost that part of my Bible, but I'm sorry, I'm kidding. That's horrible and blasphemous there. I got the whole Bible at my house, and I'm still reading it all. But he, he said, no, you got, if you don't seek the Lord early, you'll miss him. We're coming to that. He said, if you don't seek the Lord early. But I'm saying to you that the, the Scripture literally says, early's good. I assure you, I was seeking the Lord early this morning. Very, very early. And passionately. <laughs> I was. But the Scripture says to seek the Lord at all times. How do we do that? How do we go about seeking Him? Someone says, well, if you don't journal, you're missing the Lord. Well, they didn't have journals in the day. Most people wouldn't have had access to paper, parchment, uh, whatever they would have used to scrib. Do you journal? Absolutely, I do. I love to journal. I'm a horrible journaler. I mean, in some sort of comparative terminology, but there is no such comparative terminology. But if you try to read my journal, you're going to be greatly disappointed. But for me, it's, it's very special. It really helps me. When I was a college student, I learned that if I would take notes real well, uh, I usually didn't even have to study them. It just helped me so much to write it down. I would go home and rewrite them one time, and I was usually pretty good if I would do that. And so for me, to be able to process, we just had our guys that were on the team, we made top tens, because what I said to them is the things that they experienced would be... Uh, difficult to remember and impossible to forget, both at the same time. And so we wrote them down. We wanted to know. Because you're not going to forget it, but you're not going to remember exactly what it was. But if you can write some of that down. So I would encourage you to journal. But I don't believe that everybody's going to journal. There's no biblical mandate I can give you that you must journal. How do you do that? How do you seek the Lord? You know, is it, is it you must have an ordered quiet time? Do you, do you literally get the brooms out of the closet? You know, is that, and you have a prayer closet or a sequestered space in the attic or the basement? Or what does that look like? And... And they used to say of John Wesley's mom, who had 18 kids, that she would pull her apron over her face <laughs> to get her a quiet time. John and Charles turned out pretty well, I would say. Sure, by the grace of God, but Susanna Wesley, her quiet time was under her apron. Dear God, do something with these kids. I don't know if she had an accent or not. I think she was English, so it probably didn't sound like that. But <clears throat> I'm from Enola. All right, but... But how? I mean, how do you seek God? Well, I got, I got one really simplistic answer to this question. Again, let's go back to Jeremiah 20, 30, 29, 13 one more time. You will seek me and find me. There's only one qualifier here that I can find, and I find it consistently in all these passages, and I have a whole page full, not all that I'll even read to you today. You will seek me and you will find me. There's just one qualifier, when? You seek me with your whole heart. Or as I read in Deuteronomy, you will find me. Find him if you look for him with all your heart and all your soul. There's this thing where the Lord just really wants you to come after you to come after him. Now, we may be at a place where, man, some of our heart's over here and some of our heart's over here. And as we walk with God, he's going to say, hey, go get that back. They, didn't, they weren't supposed to get to hold that part of your heart. That's mine. And we'll walk and grow through that. But, but if you'll give him what you've got, he'll give you what he's got. And again, thank God there's no comparison. 50% of someone's may look like a whole lot more than your 80, and there's no comparison. Don't even think that way. God just, that just offends the heart of God. It literally offends the heart of God for us to think that way. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you seek with me, or if you seek me with your whole heart. Jesus said it this way, if, if any would come after me. I ain't got a whole lot to say about that, he said. If any would come after me, just... Deny himself, take him his cross, and follow me. That's all. It's a lot. We used to talk about it this way. What God wants more than anything from you is you. Just give you. Well, I'm not very much. i got to try to muster up some more. i got to go get some. I better get some badges or something. Hmm. I don't know. Well, I get them badges, then I won't have to give as much of me away. Nobody would say that out loud, but it sure looks like we believe it sometimes.
you will find me. I think of people in the Bible that got rewarded. Uh, that's not the right way to say it. Reward is the wrong word, though. It does apply on some level, but the better word is honored. God honored their effort. Guys like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus didn't know. He didn't have a clue what he was doing. But he wanted to do it real bad. He just had to see. How long has it been since you were a Zacchaeus? I got to see. I can't wait till next week either. I got to see today. I got to see this afternoon what the Lord is doing. I got to see today where God is and how He's how I can be a part of it. Blackaby. See what God's doing and partner with Him. Don't be trying to lead God around by the nose. It won't work anyway. Zacchaeus climbed a tree. That got Jesus' attention. There were people everywhere. Who is this little guy? In the, I bet he smiled as big as the day. Who is this guy in the tree? <laughs> He's cracking me up. Do you see this guy in the tree over here? Look at this guy. Shh, hey, y'all, look over here, though. This is going to in the tree. Hey, won't you come down from there, though? I'm going home with you today. That's strong. To me, that's really strong. I can't tell you how many times I've just been blessed to climb a tree. I'm a tree climber. Try to wear long leg pants. (laughs) Just a little FYI. Do whatever you got to do to get past the stuff. It's your stuff you're climbing on. He didn't put it there. He didn't make it between you and him. You did that. I did that. So climb on top of it. Get around it or get through it. Or today's drawing. Tells us of a day in the life of Christ. When Jesus is walking. I think it's brilliant the way you did this. By the way. Man, beautiful. You know why? Because we know in this story that Jesus was on his way. It was a point of ministry. A significant point of ministry. Someone's daughter was, I mean, this is, you need to get there now. Kind of a moment. He's walking down this road. And the scripture tells us that there were people everywhere. But see in her picture. It's just like with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There were not people everywhere. Because everybody to Jesus is one somebody. And he saw. He didn't see, he felt. The scripture says literally that he said, someone touched me. No, no, someone's desperation for me. Lord, lots of people touching you. You've been like going crazy and whatnot. Elbowing each other. I told you he was about to lose it. She got his brother a break. He just took 40 days. What you talking about? He just said somebody touched him. It was like, oh, there's all kinds of people touching him. No, no. Who literally fought through the crowd to get to me? Because I take notice of that. So we get to Maui Kolipe. This is a village, that dwelling place, just planted a church. Dwelling place in the bush. It's a very appropriate place for churches that teach the stuff that dwelling place teaches. I can't wait to get Rick to those churches. It's going to be hilarious. I'm going to have to tell him not everything that growls is a devil. No, they don't have any lines right there. But uh, dwelling place in Maui Kolipe. It's an incredible little village on a beautiful plain. Last year, though, we planted a church in a place called Naolau. And uh, the people were very hungry. They came to us when we first got there. In fact, one of the greatest testimonies for me this year was last year, David, um, who went again this year. David Alger is a, just a devil killer. And he can go with me anywhere at any time, FYI. Um, but David and a guy named Morris, who was one of our Zambian pastors that traveled along with, who's just also amazing. They had it right off the bat. There were people that gathered to kind of help us as we were setting up and mostly to watch us. They were very curious about all the Makuas or white people. And um, There was one lady that they chatted to and she had said that she wouldn't greet people. Like her husband 
I think had explained, and I'll mess the story up a little bit, but I'll get the main points. But basically what she ultimately communicated was that the witch doctor had told her that um, if she greeted people, he had bewitched her, put a hex on her, and told her that if she greeted people, that would be bad for her. And in fact, he had already uh, bewitched her so that she couldn't have children. And that was kind of the thing. And then, but she got saved. I mean, she got radically saved last year. And she was greeting everybody. Like, we ain't even really started a church yet. We ain't got to our first Sunday service, and she's the greeter. She's Mitch. Forget about that bewitching junks, man. Tell me I can't greet somebody. She knew she was a daughter, and she lived like it. Hungry people. Amaze me. How the Father sees them. People who seek Him. People who just, there's no way. They don't have enough understanding. They can't possibly get this close to God this quickly, so it's not possible. Then we went back through Nala this year. Let this be an encouragement, whatever your situation is. But we went back through Nala on our way to my Kolipe. And this, this, that was a year ago. And the lady, the, again, the witch doctor had bewitched her so that she would be barren. And she has, now she has um, a baby. Yeah, here's what's trippy. Is that the baby is uh, three months old. Yeah, even I can do that math. Anyway, but that's an aside. So we came through there. We got to meet Eula, who I shared about here before. In fact, just a few weeks ago, I told you about how in Redemption Story, no one is forgotten. And I told you about Eula and how he was angry. And I had to get down on my knee and look him in the face. Eula, we went through Nalau so Eula could ride with us to set up stuff and be at the first new church service. That dude is following God, and he's one of the leaders in the church. It's just, it was just, it was bizarre for me to see that it was real. But we get to Mali Kalipe. And there are probably 40 or 50 people that met us, which is an abnormally high number. And we were supposed to go later that day and meet the Induna, the local tribal elder, who had given us permission to come there to try to plant this church, to see if we could reach enough people to generate a church plant. And But the Induna walked to us. He was there. And they helped us gather firewood, and they helped us set up camp and everything, which was very unusual that degree of help and then they just sat like our camp was back there around the offering box we had a fire in the middle and stuff and and we hadn't built that yet but i mean that's how we were set up and they're just kind of lingering these 40 or 50 people are lingering now it's two three four in the afternoon uh, moses who had gone with us this year as the point passed from that side he went and told him you know we'll have our first service tomorrow night at 18 or at 20 hours and um we'll come tomorrow to your houses and we'll tell you about the gospel and that kind of thing. But, and they're okay, okay. But then they just stood there. So he comes back to the tent. I'm like getting in my tent. I'm like, man, this is awkward. Evil. So he went back out and he told him, you know, um, okay, well, we could do a church service tonight, which was they were very happy to hear. Normally you do the first church service after you've had some converts. But we said, okay, well, whatever the Lord is doing. This is crazy hunger. So he's, he asked me if that was cool, and I said, yeah, I'll just tell him we'll do a church service tonight. This is great. We'll just start tonight. And he said, y'all should go home and get dinner for yourself, whatever that'll be in the bush. Eat some cassava and come back at 20 hours. Nobody leaves. They just keep lingering. So he goes back to them, and he talks some more. And he comes back to me and he says, I've never seen this. He goes to the bush all the time. This is what they do. I've never seen this. He said, they said that they've been waiting for us. And they want to know, can't you just tell them something about Jesus? Went and preached. It wasn't good. It was, but it was great. <laughs> if you pick up what I'm putting down there, um, and every person said, "We know." Every person said, "We know." We need Jesus. How do you seek Him with all your heart? If you seek Him with all your heart, you will find Him. They don't have any Bibles. They still don't have any Bibles. 
we left them some tracks because they had some scriptures on them that have been translated into Silozi. Well, those probably weren't real converts. Well, I was kind of thinking the same thing, to be honest. But they kept coming back. I think they got saved for three straight days. On the third day, they said, hey, we've got to go to this place. It's not far. It's not far. We've got to go to this place. It's not far. The people there must hear the gospel. Hey, BJ, I'll stop talking if you come play. The people there must hear the gospel. They must hear the gospel. Jehoshaphat and Mike and Richard and Peter and um, several others. Future leaders of this church. So we walked. We had a water bottle. Told Tara we'd be back about half past 12. We're going to walk. We're going to walk an extra hour or so. Man, we, this is 1.30. We still ain't there. They're killing me. We're walking through sand that's ankle deep. I ran out of water a long time ago. If I got it, I drink it. <laughs> we got to a village that was a long ways away. I think it was about four miles. I don't know for sure. And they took everybody, too. We had three different teams that went out. Somehow we all managed to meet at the same village. I guess they wanted to make sure somebody got there. And we talked to people. They set up. I mean, literally dozens of people came to Jesus. If you seek me. The next day I was sitting around camp. And here comes Richard, new convert, three days old. He comes up and he says through the interpreter, I brought my two friends. They live in the village 45 minutes this way. He sets them in two chairs next to me and he says they must, he says this part in English. He looks me straight in the eye and he said they must hear the gospel. Well, we could do that. Saturday night, we're beat. We're just tired. Several of the Zambians had, had to go back into Mongu because they were having their first Hope Church service in a new facility and trying to have all hands on deck. So we were left a little short-handed. It was me and Lloyd who had yet to lead worship by himself in the bush. Uh, he did the songs he knew. They sang like they had been knowing them their whole lives. Even though we've been having church for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, now we're Saturday. They're singing their faces off. And you can see his face. I said everything I had to say. I mean, I was a son. I did the best I could. If anybody's qualified to talk about the Father, it's the Son. So I figured, hey, I'll give it a run. I told him about women that had been with many men, but Jesus found them next to it well. How there was healing and hope, and I watched tears run down their faces. Tiffany on an earlier night shared about how demons used to torment her as a child because they're tremendously tormented by demons there. Everywhere you go, you preach about demons and how all you've got to do is just step into that and say in the name of Jesus, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, and you got to go. It works too. Just FYI. But it's Saturday night. I've said all I can say. Okay, well, but you can tell, man, this ain't over. But I got nothing left. Won't Lloyd sing another song? He's like, I think he made one up. So then we're like, okay, well, we'll see y'all tomorrow morning, nine hours. First ever Sunday service, Malakolipe, Hope Church. We walk back to our fire. They're still standing. I can see them over there standing around the fire. Then all of a sudden, Peter, 23 years old, saved the first day. Wouldn't leave till he heard the gospel. He looks around and he just jumps in the middle of the circle and he starts leading worship. We're like, the heck? They didn't need us to have church. Because they had seen his face.
Here in a minute, the lady from Lusaka starts belting out the next tune. They just carried on. Man, they had church there last Sunday. And they had church there this morning. Because if you seek me, you will find me. If you will seek me. With all of your heart. Keep us hungry, Papa. Taste and see that the Lord is good. In Christiansburg, Parisburg, Newport and Floyd, uh, Blacksburg, for sure, for sure, Radford and Salem and all points in between, beyond. And help us, Lord, to seek you and to find you and to follow you. Lord, there's someone here today that just needs to remember the greatness of grace. It's not just for bus rides across Zambia, right? We need to know today how to walk through the craziness at work. Lord, there's someone right here, right now, that's hard. It's just really heavy about work. Don't know what decision to make. Lord, I pray they would remember the greatness of grace and that you'd teach them even today again more about how to walk in it. There's someone today whose family's just just fighting an internal battle and it feels like it can never be healed or whole. Lord, I pray they would seek you and they would find you, that you would maintain the number one spot, that you would fill the God gap today and that no matter what we're walking in or through, good or bad or in between, we would make merry time However, that needs to look, even if it's a walk and talk. But Lord, that one thing could be said of us, that we sought you with all our hearts. That you were the non-negotiable in our lives. And Lord, then I know that I can say without hesitation that we will find you. We'll find your solution. We'll find your grace. We'll find our healing. We'll find our wholeness. We'll find our hope. Forget not all his benefits. If you seek me, you will find me. It's interesting in this picture. All she got was just the hymn. For him, that was enough. I want to invite you to come and pray this morning as they sing this song over us. I'm not going to tell you what you need to pray about or for. I'm going to ask you to seek him.